Hey friends, and welcome back to this week's episode of Fit Friends Happy Hour. I'm your non-diet dietitian, trainer, and host Katie, and this is episode 243. We are back with our client spotlight series, and today I am so excited for you to listen to this conversation that I have with one of my clients, Bree. Bree and I share a lot of similarities in our stories where we both actually discovered this really fun with fitness and fell in love specifically with group fitness, but took it to an extreme. And so Brie has come so far in such a short period of time that I just know that you listening, you're going to hear maybe some a lot of similarities in your own story. I know for me, it has been so rewarding just to see how she's evolved and how, especially this year, she's faced a lot of challenges just in in life in general. And by being able to work through the food piece, the fitness piece and navigating that, it's given her the bandwidth to focus on some really tough things that matter, that need and deserve more attention than worrying about what you eat and how much you move. If you haven't already, check out our free masterclass where I walk you through the same four steps that you're going to hear that Brie went through to take steps towards a non-diet approach. So click the link in the show notes or go to katiehake.com forward slash masterclass in the show notes. If you just swipe up wherever you're listening, you'll also find a link to join our free private community where it's a safe space for you to connect with other people who are on this journey. We celebrate the highs and lows and all the things that come with a non-diet approach. All right, team, on to the show. Welcome to Fit Friends Happy Hour, a podcast about all things nutrition, fitness, and life in your 20s and 30s, all from a non-diet lens. I'm your host, Katie Hake, and I'm a registered dietitian, nutritionist, and certified personal trainer. Join me here every week as I talk with interesting people and experts from all walks of life about their relationship with food and their bodies. I'll also share my experience working with clients in my private practice to help women find food freedom and body confidence. I'm on a mission to help you stop quantifying and start living. Learn to stop measuring your success by the scale and find your fears. Bree, so good to see you. Happy Friday. How are you? Hi, happy Friday. I'm doing great. Welcome to the podcast. So excited to have you. So excited for you to share your story. You know, I feel like, gosh, I I feel like I blinked. I feel like when we started working together, it was so long ago, but not at the same time. So let's just start by, you know, telling us, telling the audience, you know, who you are, kind of what you do, the different hats that you wear. Um, so yeah, I'm Brianna and I, I have a background in education. I used to be a teacher, but now I um, am a youth and family director at one of our local YMCAs. Um, this is a pretty new position for me, but I'm loving it so far. And really what brought me to the Y was just my love for group exercise, which is actually how I met Katie a long, long time ago when she used to teach turbo kick here in our hometown. Yeah. For, for OG listeners, like that is Brianna and I were the ones that like showed up front row divas at the Y. If I wasn't teaching, like you were either in front row or if I wasn't teaching, we were both in front row and uh, any OG listeners who know turbo, like understand 
you're a turbo person, you're like, "Uh uh-huh, we get each other. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm excited to dive in too, because you, you know, have a unique experience just with group fitness over the years as well. So let's kind of just start kind of rewinding a little bit. You know, what was food like for you growing up? What was like food movement as a, as a child? So food wise, I would say like my parents didn't really have like strict food rules for me, but I know like I was always really close with my grandparents growing up and my mom and my grandma and I would sometimes go shopping on the weekends. And whenever they go to try clothes on, they'd be like, "Ugh, I'm way too, too big for, to wear this. Like this looks terrible on me. And they were always on some kind of restrictive eating or diet. Um, I know Weight Watchers was a thing that they did for a long time. They also were on the Atkins diet, which is <laughs> like the old keto, really. Yeah. So they never really, you know, made me eat that way. But I do know, and I, it's not like they were trying to be malicious, but as I, I had always been really small. And then suddenly, um, when I got into high school, I started filling out more kind of becoming more of a woman and (laughs) they kind of always encouraged me to keep my weight down. Like, you know, sometimes my grandma would say, Oh, you you look like you may have gained a few pounds. And I I know she didn't mean it in a mean way, but it definitely made me feel self-conscious and that kind of led me to restrictive eating myself. And I actually did Weight Watchers when I was in high school. Yeah. I I love that you say, first of all, that they weren't coming from a a malicious place. I think your story is so common among women that their parents or, you know, moms, aunts, grandmas would make comments, but it was just, they were doing what they thought was best or thought they were coming from a place of health. But like you mentioned, even just being around it, sometimes being exposed to like the language of how they were talking about their bodies kind of had an impact on you. What was it like when you were doing Weight Watchers in high school and how did that kind of a restriction or controlling kind of your intake, how did that evolve over the, you know, your early teen years or later teen years? Yeah. So actually me and my best friend, we did Weight Watchers together. And I just remember it seems so silly now, like being in the lunchroom, like you know, going through that school lunch line, being like, I can't have this. It's too many points. Like it really just kind of, I started looking at food as like a number or like I, a, a can and a can't have type mm. of thing. And it was really, you know, I really started to lose the sense of like, what makes me feel good when I eat it? What do I actually like to eat? And then that really like moving on into college, I just got, you know, I had like my fitness pal or whatever. And I was like the calorie counting queen. Like I, I just would always, you know, every day it was like, I had to log all my meals kind of moving, talking a little bit about the movement piece. I was in color guard in high school and um, that was really, really actually a pretty athletic 
thing. Um, and we would practice on Saturdays for like 12 hours and <laughs> <laughs> takes a lot of energy. Yeah. 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 And, and three hour practices after school. So, um, and I loved that. I loved movement and I did that even before I had started the Weight Watchers. That was later on in high school. It was a positive, but, a positive piece of your uh, part of your life. It wasn't a negative. Right. But then, you know, so these programs or just like restricting in general, if you exercise and you burn calories, you get to eat more. Mm. So exercise and movement became more of less of a, oh, this makes me feel good. This is something I really enjoy into more of an obsession. Like I really want to be able to eat this today. So I have to burn X amount of calories and no matter, like if I'm sore, it doesn't matter. Like I, I have to do this today. Mm-hmm. And my relationship with movement got pretty bad. I guess I'm kind of lucky that I never really got injured. Mm. Why? What makes you say that? I just was working out too much. I mean, I, every workout I did, I tried to make it as intense as possible. I mean, it was usually always cardio focused. I thought lifting was like going to make me like this huge person, which Mm -hmm. (laughs) I know now that's not the case. And I love lifting now. And I 10, 10 recommend it for everybody. (laughs) (laughs) 10, 10. Love that. Um, But you know, it was always just like this really intense cardio where I was just like trying to just go all out as hard as I could for like an hour plus and sometimes two, three times a day. And I never really gave myself rest. So yeah, go, just, go, 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 go. Yes. What, how can I burn the most number of calories? Right. It's kind yeah. of a, it sounds like was the goal. Yes. What? So then when was that moment for you where you realized, okay, what I'm doing is not sustainable or there's got to be another way, or did it take you a few years to, to kind of hit burnout? What was that like for you? That kind of turning point? Um, it took me probably about 10 years to realize this is not something that I really want to be doing with my, with my life for the rest of my life. And I mean, I definitely had times where you know, I basically just, I was like, I can't, I can't do this. And then I would like stop restricting, but then I would just like eat whatever I wanted. And like, I mean, that's a positive, but I had been restricting for so long that I just like would eat anything and everything. And I like, wouldn't be listening to my body at all, or like my hunger cues because I had lost those things when I continued to look at food as just a number. And then I would say, Oh, no, like, this is terrible. Like I can't keep eating like this. And I go back to the restricting and it was just this yo-yo pendulum back and forth. And I really just, I didn't, one day I finally realized like, I just don't feel good. Like, Mm, like from a, from a physical standpoint, emotional standpoint, um, both really like I felt just anxious all the time about food. Like, you know, if I, when I tried not restricting, it was like, I would feel guilty after I ate when I was restricting. It was like, oh my goodness, am I going to be able to like go to dinner with my friends tonight Mm -hmm. and eat 
you know, something normal. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like two straw, you know, little pieces of lettuce. Um, <laughs> you know, am I going to be able to get that workout in today so I can actually go do that? Um, mm-hmm. But I, I just, so I had so much anxiety and guilt around food and movement. But then I also just, I mean, I realized how out of touch I was with my body. Like I would get so full, like when I wasn't restricting and that would feel terrible just from a physical standpoint. But then Mm -hmm. when I was restricting, I was like hungry almost all of the time. So it felt like you couldn't win. It was like, I let myself eat what I want, but I've feel uncomfortable. I feel gross. But then when I restrict, I feel anxious. And so it sounds like you started having awareness of like all these different feelings. And I would imagine feeling stuck kind of like, how do I get off off of this, you know, hamster wheel? Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's how I did feel. And, you know, I <laughs> finally was like, there has got to be a different way. I mean, I haven't always been this way, you know, when I was mm. little, I could just eat whatever I wanted. And for a while it did kind of feel like a pipe dream. I'm like, well, little kids, they're growing and their metabolism's different and all these things. But then, you know, I started seeing your posts about intuitive eating and I saw it, you know, some other places on social media. And I'm like, hmm, maybe if I kind of listen to my body more, like my body's smart. It knows what it needs. Like, why don't we listen in a little bit? So that's yeah. why. kind of leaning into that curiosity of like, well, maybe I do know, maybe I do know what's best for me. I there like I like how you said there was a point in my life where I wasn't feeling this way around food, around exercise. Mm-hmm. So what would you say was some of the most challenging parts? Like since we started working together with kind of starting your intuitive eating journey. Well, I learned that I also through the years had used the restriction as a way to control things. Yeah. Uh, So it's so common. Yeah. I feel a little bit, I don't want to say like I'm a control freak, but I very much like, like things a certain way. So when I would get overly stressed, I would be more likely to like, really be very like rigid. Yeah. Rigid with my, um, restricting Mm -hmm. because, you know, I can control what I'm putting into my body, Mm -hmm. whether it's good or bad, you know? Yeah. Can I also add you were a teacher at the height of the pandemic? Yeah. Oh, like, it makes sense, right? It, it makes, and I don't know how you feel like looking back, you know, when I hear women say that, like I used food as a way to control, it makes so much sense because when you're in that, it feels good. It feels like, okay, everything else is a dumpster fire, but at least I can, you know, kind of check these boxes. Yeah. So what would you say? What, I mean, when I told you like, all right, like you said, can you eat what you want? And this is where we're going to start what was it like just starting? Did that feel even more anxious or what was that like? Yeah. Um, it definitely did feel more anxious, um, made me feel more anxious. I, I did have that little calorie counter in the back of my head and it was hard to 
turn her off. <laughs> yeah. I, I will never forget. I don't know why it sticks out for me. And in, in my memory of us working together is you saying to me, like, Katie, will this ever turn off? Because you're right. It's one thing to delete my fitness pal or to stop. But if you've been doing it so consistently for so many years, like psh, you don't need a calculator. You already know, no. you mm-hmm. know, how many calories is in a fistful of this. And you, you can visualize those portions and the, the numbers. Yep. Yeah. So that being like, oh my goodness, I've like way over shot my calories, but Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess what kind of brought me back down was like, oh, but I don't feel like a stuffed, you know, pig roll me out of here now. Like Mm -hmm. I actually felt a good level full. Then, you know, I started kind of feeling like I just kind of had more energy and not so blah all the time. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, okay, I think my body kind of likes this. And that kind of helped me work through anxiety. Taking time, like feeling anxious, but trusting the process. It sounds like I'm like, okay, I hate this. This is uncomfortable, but also it sounds like you just really had to practice listening to, okay, well, what is my body actually trying to tell me? And yes. when you leaned into that discomfort, you actually realized, oh, wait, this isn't so bad. This actually feels good. This actually <laughs> might feel a little bit better than what it used to feel like. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually, full transparency here, when I got, I can't even remember what was stressing me out so bad, but I re-downloaded mm. my fitness pal And I put a meal in there and I was like, this is so dumb. And then I deleted it again because I realized like, I think a lot of this is about reflecting and listening to your body. Because when I, I did then choose to reflect, like, why did I want to re-download that app? Mm. And it was because I'm really stressed out things around me feel a little bit out of control right now. Mm -hmm. And I know I can always control that. And Mm -hmm. I, that's never helped me in the past. So we're not going back down that path again. I love that example. And I also love just hearing you share that example, because it sounds like you really had to have, you've like, I'm so proud of you because that shows me like you were able to, in that moment, be able to almost like coach yourself. Like, Yes, you can. I can download this, but but you were able to have that rational conversation with yourself a little bit of like, well, why am I doing this? What has this done for me in the past? Yes, I can. I can do it. Like you said, I logged a meal, but then you were able to reflect and be like, but is this really solving, you know, the issue? Do you right. remember what you did like afterwards after deleting, like whatever was going on in your life? Like what were the other ways that you were able to kind of cope or control, you know, control air quotes? Well, I guess I just had realized that the, the ticker, the calorie ticker was actually turning off in my brain and Mm -hmm. that reignited it. And I just, I mean, I hated that so much because it was definitely an obsession and, you know, I didn't, (laughs) when that re like when it, started back up. I was just like, I'm not like, I'm not doing this. There's, I can't. 
So you down, so it was starting to turn off. Something happened. You downloaded it again, but then noticed like all the thoughts coming back in and we're like, Oh, the almost like I imagine like the volumes turning up and you're like, no, no, no. Turn it back down. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I kind of got re-anxious all over again about food and then I'm like, okay, so even though I know I can control through restriction, it also gives me a lot of anxiety, which I'm already feeling about other things that are going on. I don't need any more anxiety. So, yeah. Yeah. That's so, that's so interesting. And, you know, I so appreciate you sharing that too, because I think a lot of people think, or they start this journey thinking, okay, I'm just going to do this. I'm going to become an intuitive eater. And it's going to be this very, you know, straightforward path of just do this and that's it. But there are many ups and downs. And there are many times I would, I would almost argue where you want to go back because it's comfortable because it's what you know. Right. And it's been such a default for so long. Right. How was, what about with movement? What has been, you know, kind of some of the challenging pieces of your movement journey? Cause I know for you, that's evolved a little bit as well. Yeah. Um, when I finally rested, <laughs> um, when I finally realized like I need to rest or like taking the dog for a walk can be like my movement of the day. Like that's, that's mm-hmm. something that could be <laughs> a thing. Um, you know, I tried it. I was particularly sore, I think, that day. And I just took my dog for a walk. And the next day I had, I felt so much better. Mm. And then I realized, you know, well, by that point I had already been lifting, but um, even just, you know, doing those more low intensity activities, um, like walking the dog, yoga, things like that, those can still be forms of movement that help me feel good day to day but they're not something that's like killing my joints Mm -hmm. or, you know, Mm -hmm. making me feel kind of awful, even though I feel good while I'm working out. So, and then I guess another thing, you know, I kind of learned was taking a day or two to do something lighter. When I go back to do those more intense workouts, I actually am performing better. Mm. Yeah, I know that because I, I I can't remember if you posted in our Kickstart small group or something like that. But I think would you agree that you've almost been able to kind of rediscover that passion for for moving again, but in a way that's like more sustainable, but also I don't know. I feel like you're connected to your movement in a different way, like in a better way. Yeah, I I definitely am. I'm not like looking at this like oh I I need to go out there and just like you know, go as hard as I can to burn all these calories. Like I'm very much so moving now. I like to do intense workouts because they make me feel very good. And that's why I do them now. Not because I'm like, I need to burn all these calories. And then when I'm sore, like I'll do something lower impact and making sure um, I'm getting my lifting in just because like, that's what I want to do. Not because I'm following some plan or somebody else's idea of like, you know, this is going to help you lose weight or whatever. Yeah. Not the goal anymore. It's, it's being able to have 
I think a lot of people too get stuck on the movement piece of their journey because they feel like it's one end or the other, right? Like I can either have fitness goals or I can't, but I think you've done a really great job of finding like that sweet spot of like, I've got these goals. Like I want to lift, I've got these standards, you know, in a sense of like, I want to lift X amount of days. I want to have these intense workout X amount of days, but Mm -hmm. it sounds like the difference is being able to take it day by day and really listen to and honor and respect what your body's feeling today in that moment. And if you need to adjust, who cares? It's your life. It's your schedule, not somebody else's. A hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. And I've definitely done that too, where it's like, Oh, today is supposed to be, you know, like the most intense day of the week or whatever, but Mm -hmm. I don't feel great today or I didn't get a great night of sleep last night. Mm -hmm. So we're not doing that today. (laughs) And that's, that's fine. I mean, I don't beat myself up about it. I just, there's going to be more opportunities for those days. And I do what I can to make sure I'm feeling my best. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Look, looking at the bigger picture. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say, what have been some of the best parts, like, you know, of what you've learned or what you've experienced? Um, definitely just getting more in tune with my body again, like Mm -hmm. being able to, I, I know there was one day, I don't know if we were doing like a body scan. I can't remember what exactly it was, but you're asking me to like describe how me. Yes. Oh, (laughs) you're asking me to like describe how like I was feeling or like how food like, was it like hunger fullness, like trying to describe yeah. what hunger felt like or fullness felt like, or yeah. like and that? I like couldn't, I mean, I could do it, but not very well. And I feel like if we did it again, I would be much more descriptive. Yeah. Uh, like, like, tell me right now, like, what are you feeling in your body? Well, I had to, <laughs> I had too much caffeine and I <laughs> was super duper jittery. I mean, I could feel it even in like my legs. Mm -hmm. Um, but I knew also that I was going to be too, like, I wasn't quite like to the point where I I'm ready to eat now, but I wasn't like, I knew I wasn't going to be able to make it through (laughs) this podcast without eating something. Um, just because I've kind of realized I've kind of found the point where I'm like, it's not like I'm stuffed or I'm like so hungry that I need to eat right now. Like I've found. You can feel the spectrum. Yes, I can feel the spectrum. So I had a banana before I hopped on this podcast just because I was like, I know, I know that I'm going to be super duper hungry after I get off if I don't eat a little something and then I'm going to go crazy like junk later on. So in tune with your body, not just in the moment, but also in the future of like what it might be and, and understanding yourself best. I love, yeah. that makes me so happy to hear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What would you say, what are your biggest challenges right now? Right. Because as we know, it's a journey. It's, it's still going right. We work together for, it feels like a long time, but it's just a short time at the long time. So where is it right now? Where are you kind of in the next steps of your, your personal, you know, like food and body movement journey? So 
I am still, so with my work now, I don't have a set schedule. And I, at first I was like, oh, I'll just get up and make myself breakfast and all these things. That's not like realistic for me. And I've learned that just from teaching and having such a rigid schedule. I always had like my breakfast and my lunches prepped. And I don't always necessarily have to have my lunch prepped at this point, just semi-prepped. But dinners are getting weird and hard um, just because there are some days I don't leave here until 6 or 6.30. Mm -hmm. And then starting a whole on like, it's almost a half hour drive to my house. Mm -hmm. Um, And I am like, I am the, the meal preparer in my house. Like that's... (laughs) I've taken it on. Taken on the role. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I guess for the most challenging thing right now is just finding, you know, I I think I want to start maybe doing some more like crock pot meals. Like I'm getting better about quick meals that, you know, they're not just like pop a couple pizza rolls and (laughs) the microwave and go. Yeah. Uh, You know, I'm I'm trying to think about like having a carb and a a vegetable and a protein, you know, just and a fat, you know, something Mm -hmm. to make the meal well-rounded, but something that is also quick. I've gotten better about finding those kinds of things, but right now that's really my biggest struggle is just finding kind of more of those things slash prepping for dinner ahead of time. Yeah. It's kind of a, and I would say that's really common for people in this, in this journey is kind of that, it's almost like that next level of like, okay, wait, I have more flexibility, which is exciting, but then it's also a challenge because it is, it's almost like you're learning again about, well, what foods sound good or what would be easy and kind of exploring that in between or that balance, like you said, between foods that are nutritious and well-rounded and balanced and feel good, but are also are easy and convenient. Right. Yep. Well, that's an exciting challenge in my opinion, but I don't know. Yeah. That's just me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's a good challenge to have. It, it's yeah. It feels like I'm, I've made it <laughs> somewhere. Yeah. yeah. No. Well, I just love hearing your story again. And again, I feel like you made, I hate to ever even put like timelines on people's journey. You know what I mean? Because everybody's so different. And like you said, I think it depends on how long that you struggled with dieting, right? And the things that you personally experienced around food and exercise in your body. But I think you really, you're somebody, you're like a tell me what to do, figure it out type of person and I'll do the work, right? That you really made, you know, such huge progress so fast. And it was so fun for you to just see, you know, the, the aha moments of like, okay, I can do this. Oh, wait, I get it. It's making sense. Okay. This is easy, not easy, but I'm doing it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What advice would you have for somebody who's on the fence about a non-diet approach? Or like you said, they're stuck in that hamster wheel and I don't know, maybe they're seeing things on Instagram and they're like, hmm, I don't know. (laughs) What would you say to them? Um, am I I don't know, this kind of sounds cheesy, but I think it's important to realize that you can trust yourself. I mean, your body has sustained you for this long and really like you weren't born, hopefully weren't born, you know, dieting or restricting or following X, Y, Z food rules. So, you know, 
your body does know how to sustain you best and just i guess start you know kind of listening to what your body is telling you even if you are still you know doing the diet like whatever diet you're doing or whatever you're cutting out just listen to your body does your body like that you know mm-hmm. do you do you want something different do you want to change i mean cuz that's kind of that's kind of you know what i did and i just i think it kind of naturally led me here. So, yeah, that's great advice that just asking the question and asking yourself, do I even like where I'm at? Cause maybe, maybe somebody's listening and they're like, yeah, I like, I like doing keto. I feel good. Right. Then. Okay. That's, that's fine. But, but asking yourself, what does this feel like in my body? Cause I think like you said, with the beginning of your journey, it was like, I don't even know what feels good what is my body telling me? It was like that. Let's start, let's start there and just ask, what is my body trying to tell me? And what does it feel like? Yeah. I I can't say I haven't felt this like good, both mentally and physically, probably ever as an adult until you're gonna make me cry. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, you really are. That's, uh, that is, that is like music to my ears because again, like you've got the brain space, you've got the, I mean, and, and I, know you, I know you, you've been through so much and you've accomplished so much, you know, in a short amount of time. And it's so fun to see, like, feel good, feel good about that change. Yeah. Well, thanks. <laughs> Sending you a hug, hug through the screen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, Brianna, it's been such a pleasure to have you on the show. And again, I appreciate you so much for just sharing your story because I know that it will definitely inspire others who are just stuck. So I love to end each episode by just sharing with us. It's Friday when we're recording this. So what is the best thing that's happened to you this week? It can be food related. It can be whatever, anything. Okay. So I know I've already mentioned a couple of times I'm pretty new in my position, but I am fully staffed at this point and we are looking at some big scope things for our teens here um, at the Y. So I'm really excited. I actually had a meeting right before this call where we kind of talked about like what we want the program to look like. So it's just really exciting to finally have a full staff and be able to start that process. So to have have support and especially given at the time of this recording, all the labor shortages and yes. hiring sh- shortages. I'm sure. Yeah. It takes a, a team and I love the YMCA. So I'm so yeah. happy for you. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me on here. It's Thanks for being here. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of fit friends. Happy hour. If you liked this episode, don't forget to share it with a friend. You can subscribe or follow wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at Fit Friends Happy Hour. Talk to you next time.